Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. And too many people in our generation are doing the wrong thing, and so they never see the glory of God. I want to encourage you to that. I want to also say that after Switzerland, we went to Houston. I talked to Coach Harvey. He says uh, on the way back from Switzerland, he was there. He had preached with me for five years um, at Jack Keane's conference. He's one of the conference speakers. And he went over to Switzerland to be one of the conference speakers in our men's retreat. And as we were getting on the airplane, going back to the, as we were going back to the hotel to get ready to leave the next day, he says, I just wish one thing. He's 53 years old. He says, I wish I would have met you when I was 30. I wish I would have been around men like you since the time I was young. I'd be a totally different person. How many say amen? amen. Who you're around affects who you are. How many say amen? amen? Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, those that surround and accompany and are in the, in the gathering of wise men will be wise. You don't have to wish that you were wise. Just get in the right place. It'll come. Get around the right people. You notice when you start dropping off to the wrong crowd, to the wrong conversations, to the wrong mindset, that you start dropping your standards and compromising. And the Bible says the companion of fools will be destroyed. I challenge you to get around people that want to change the world so that you too could be a world changer. You think like them. You talk like them. You gather like them. You imitate them. You are an example to the next generation of what you've learned. And this is why we spend time with people like G.F. Watkins and also um, Wellington Boone. But we were getting there to uh, Houston to plan a man's gathering that's going to take place in March. And we want to show a small video of what that looks like. And um, we encourage you to get ready to be there with you and your son. And so many people think they're going to do things, but they never do. They want to do things and they never do. They say they're going to do things and never do. So it's not what you think, it's not what you say, it's not what you feel, it's what you do that makes what you do. How many say they meant? It's what you do that determines what you do. Not what you feel, not what you say, not what you think. Let's go ahead and watch this video. And this is the Intense Men's Conference in March 16th. Uh, we're planning, if, if everything that is planned well turns out well, we're probably going to take a Greyhound bus and go off to Houston, Texas, to Schulenburg and spend three days with uh, world-changing men. Let's go ahead and watch this. One of the men that are going to be there is General Boykin. He was the general in charge of Black Hawk Down. How many remember that movie? Yeah. I mean, to sit there and, and be under a Christian man. He's a godly man. And he instruct us how to be decisive, serious men of character. It's going to be a blessing to sit there and listen to what he's going to share uh, at that retreat. So G.F. Watkins will be there and many other pastors. We encourage you to start planning for that um, so that you can partake on what God is doing. Amen. Um, then we went off to Atlanta. We spent uh, two days with G.F. Watkins and a gathering of pastors. Uh, Larry Harvey was that coach. He says, I've come back as a different person. So Texas will be infected by our ministry because of Larry Harvey that was with us in Switzerland. And he says, um, his, his brother is the senior pastor of the church where they shepherd. And he says, you know something, I came back, I had a gathering of elders and pastors, and I just shared a little bit of what you shared in Switzerland, and, and our whole dynamic is going to change. Uh, we were able to share at G.F. Watkins Church, the Powerhouse Christian Church, on Wednesday night. Um, we just shared br very briefly, but G.F. says, look, from now on, when I go somewhere to preach, if I've invited, I want you to be the one to come to, to Houston and to share at our church to take my place in those gatherings. And, and uh, he says, we need what you have. We need that, that zeal, the zeal for excellence. Um, so that was powerful. And then on Friday night, we flew into Atlanta. Um, and it was, uh, G it was Wellington Boone's 39th anniversary. 
There's not a lot of people that I know have been serving God faithfully for 39 years, not even 10 or 20 years. But for 39 years, it was worthy to be there to say we honor you. And our church was able to bless Wellington Boone. Um, we were in a conference call about two months ago. There were men from all over the nation calling into the conference call. Uh, I was being very quiet because I'm the youngest one of all. And I said, I'm just going to listen to these great men of God talk. And as they were talking about what they were doing to honor Wellington Boone, uh, one man says, well, I think that each of us should bring $1,000 and, and bless Wellington Boone with an amount um, so that he can go. He's going to continue to do ministry. He's leaving the local pastorate church to now become an apostle and go to the nations. And he'll be coming to our church. Um, so they were talking about $1,000 a piece and 500 if you're a pastor of a small church. And I said, excuse me, are we talking about a man who has served faithfully for 39 years? Because I know that in corporate America, when you're faithful for 20 years, they give you a Rolex watch. How many remember that? If you do 20 years in a company, they're going to they're gonna honor you when you retire and give you a nice gift. I said, I don't think Wellington Boone should be given $1,000. I think that's very poor for what he has done and in a way to honor him. We, we should each give him $1,000 for every year he's been faithful. So every bishop should bring $39,000. So everybody was quiet. And they're like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, they said, yeah, I think we could do that. Every city, go talk to all the pastors that he's blessed. He's one of the greatest men that has changed the history of America in, in his preaching, in his zeal, in his passion. Wellington Boone is known all over the world. And I won't get into that. I'll, I'll let you know more about him so that you can appreciate who he is. So they said, yeah, that that, that was right. That was the right thing to do. So we got to the to the gala dinner that night, and people wanted to know two things. They wanted to know who was Joaquin Molina, who had said that in that conference, and they wanted to know how much I was going to bring to bless Wellington Boone, right? Because that's normal. If you're going to talk something, you better live what you talk. So I want to tell you that we went up there, and we were able to bless them with $25,000 through this church, through your giving, through your faithfulness. We were able to honor him. And so... We were able to take him $15,000 cash and a $10,000 marketing and advertising scheme through George Caracol. And it was exciting to see his appreciation for what we were doing for him and his man. He said like this, I have never been as honored as what you have just done. And he began to sob like a baby and, and was really powerfully in touch. And that's what we should be. That's what the, the vision of Spring of Life is, a place of refreshing for young and for old. That we would make a difference in this world, especially to faithful men. Um, and they gave me the microphone when I was giving him the gift. And I said, this is, because he's known around the United States as Mr. Promise Keepers. Because he would preach at all the promise keepers. And I said, this is not only a promise keeper. This is a covenant keeper. This is a man who walks in a higher level of word. We teach here to our men, one thing is to give your word. Another thing is to give your promise. But those men who are able to covenant are real men. And Jesus Christ is a real man. He gave us the new covenant in his blood. His words will never pass. He says, earth and heavens will pass, but my words will not pass. And this generation, there are no men. There are men who says, well, I thought I gave you my word, but it's time to get divorced. I promised I would marry you, but I'm really not, not keeping my promise. So we need to become more like Jesus Christ. And you can shout amen if you'd like. Amen. You can shout like, amen like a man if you'd like. Amen. 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 We need real men in this world, especially in these days of tough times. We need real men to go fight the battles of the Lord. And I'm embarrassed that the women are fighting stronger than the men. That's my embarrassment for my generation. I cannot stand to see a woman fight more powerfully and more intensely than a man. I can't stand that. It's a contrary. I, I consider that to be anti-Christ, anti-like the Lord, because he's a real man. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, he says that we might come to the measure, the stature, and the fullness of a perfect man, Christ Jesus. So the Son of God, a perfect man, the measure, the stature, and the fullness of Christ. That's our measure. In words, thoughts, and actions. That's what God is doing through his spirit, through his word, through the men he has given us in our lives. Ephesians 4, 11, apostles, pastors, evangelists, prophets, and teachers. I want to be around those men because they perfect me in my life. Every time I rub up against him and spending time with Wellington Boone is just like this. Um, he was so blessed. He says, I'm going down to Miami after Christmas. I'm going to spend some time with you guys. How many say hallelujah? Hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. 
We're going to have a good time. Let's get into the Word of God this morning. I pray that you have prepared your hearts to receive His Word. Um, if your heart is a dry ground today, it might not take root. If your heart is full of concerns and worries, the thorns are just going to tear it apart. Um, and if your heart is not thoroughly uh, good soil, you're gonna, the, the, the seed's going to be snatched as soon as uh, something else comes into your life. So I pray that you receive this morning uh, what God wants to give you. Um, needless to say, I'm excited. Needless to say that I've seen uh, the faithfulness of God and his goodness. Um, one of the things that Wellington Boone said to all his men was, you guys watch this ministry and what God's going to do to a ministry that honors God. How many say amen? amen? When a ministry decides to honor God, they're going to get God's honor. And that's what Jesus, that's what God said uh, to Eli in the Old Testament. I'm to be honored by those that approach me, and to those who honor me, I will honor. And this is why we're doing what we're doing. We know that it's, uh, like it says in 1 Timothy 5.17, that we give double honor to those men of God. We live in a generation without honor. That's why men don't know how to be husbands. That's why children can't receive the Father's blessing, because they don't honor their mother and father. But those who are older, and Wellington Boone is older than me, he's 64, they rule well, they govern well, they're ca to be counted worthy of double honor. An honor that is not very usual for our time. Especially those who teach us the word of God and they prepare us for the boundaries of God. Give these guys high honor because they will determine what's going to happen over our life. And so we're excited in that regard that we will be faithful sons in the Lord. We will be faithful servants. We will walk in honor that we might see the honor of God. Amen? And this is for you. I don't want you to miss out on this. Uh, one of the things that, that Wellington was able to tell the gathering of his men, this is not a big church in Miami. This is not a church that in these times could pull out this amount of money and able to bless the work of God. But they do so because they believe in God. They're not, they're not walking by sight. They're walking by the principles of the word of God. Father, I give you thanks for this privilege and honor to share your word this morning. And I pray that your good seed would find its way into good soil so that we might give good fruit and a harvest that glorifies you here upon the earth now. Father, that we can do everything we're called to do in this season, that we might see what you have planned from us, for us from the beginning of the foundations of the earth, that we would be renewed in our thoughts and in our understanding, that your spirit might lead us and influence us, and there will be greater courage in your presence and in your spirit than the fear that governs the world, O oh God, the fear that chases men far from bringing account and coming to accounts with you, Lord. Bring us into the place of courage, Lord, for you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind and of love. Father, Father, pour out your love in our lives, Lord, and cast out all fear, O oh God, that we might usher your seed and your instruction into our life, not to be hearers, but to be doers of your word, to see those things which... You have promised us, Lord, exceedingly great and purposeful things that you have prepared for those who love you. Now further and prosper your word in the hearts of your people today that we might capture your heart in this season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. We're coming into the season of Christmas, and we know just by the environment, if you've been to the mall lately, you will know that, that there's a lot of people moving in the direction of celebrating Christmas. How many have seen that? Recently, right? The malls are packed, traffic is jammed, and as we continue to grow close to this season to celebrate Christmas, it's more and more apparent to me that we have to understand what is taking place in this season, for we celebrate one thing, and you know what that is, right? We celebrate the fact that God has given the greatest gift. That's what the, that's what the season is all about. And I want to just share with you that to, to have this historically understood in our minds that it is a historical moment where Christ came into the earth as a small babe and we see the nativity scene and we see the shepherds and we see the three kings and we see the celebrations of this time, I want to tell you that we're to go a little bit deeper into this reality because God is trying to break a paradigm. 
God is trying to break a, something that has become uh, the formed character of man far from the nature of God. So we can take advantage in this season, uh, one of two things, one to stay shallow and go superficial into what Christmas time is about, and one is to go a little bit deeper to understand that God wants us to see something in his nature. We all know John chapter 3 verse 16. This is the verse that speaks about the greatest giver, the greatest gift, and the greatest recipient of giving that have ever lived. And we need to come into that understanding. Where the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. You know what you give, right? You give a gift. God himself, the giver, gave the gift of his son. That whoever might receive, that whoever might believe in this format... Whoever comes into the reality of this relationship, and I want to share with you that here is a father who's a giver giving his son to somebody who receives. Say with me, receive. receive. It's really important to know what receiving is all about. Because whether you receive or not determines whether you will receive what is given. So being a receiver is as important as this whole process. Because it doesn't matter if there's a giver. It doesn't matter if it's the gift. It doesn't matter if it's the greatest gift. If it's not received, you won't get it. And so there's only one relationship in which you will have the power to have a receiving spirit. A receiving spirit is something that is different than an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit doesn't receive anything because he believes he's entitled to nothing. In fact, he doesn't have a father. And every good and perfect gift comes from a father. And the relationship God wants to bring us into, first and foremost, above all things, is that we might be his sons. Because a son will receive. Say with me, amen. amen. A son will receive. He's in right positioning with his father to receive every good and perfect gift. And if you're not a son... You're not going to receive what is laid up for you. You're going to try and work for it. And what the God has to give us is nothing you work for. It's something you receive as a son. And he says you have been saved by a gift, not of works, so that you don't go around with a pompous attitude of I've obtained this on my own. Because God doesn't want any of his children to walk in pride. It was the devil's nature to reach and to take the place of God. I will put my throne above the throne of God. I will ascend to the most high mountain. I will take, I will take, I will take, I will get for my own. That's contrary to the nature of a son. A real son is one who gives, one who's able to receive, one who's able to walk in a proper alignment with God. And so we need to understand this holiday greater than ever. More than a mall, more than a, a physical gift that you give, it's a character attribute. Knowing there is God the Father, knowing He has good gifts to give His sons, and knowing that unless you become in relationship with Him, you stand to be an orphan all the days of your life. And so the Bible says in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. To not live like this is to miss out everything God has for you. God wants you to leave not being a son. Leave being proud. Leave being sinful. Every sin that you can imagine is the act of trespass. Of going where you're not supposed to go. Of getting what you're not supposed to get. Of breaking the timings of God. And all this leads to no inheritance. To death. He says, but the gift. Say with me, the gift. The gift of God is eternal life. God is about to pour down all things that he destined for you freely, just like he gave Christ Jesus. All things. And the saddest thing there is to see is a man who's not getting his inheritance. That's called the prodigal son. That's a man who come and he took from his father. He says, give me that which I'm entitled to. And he walked far from the father and soon found himself in the same place of every prodigal son, eating with pigs. The Bible says the free gift of God is the abundant life that is there in Christ Jesus. Christ came not only to save you from eternal condemnation, but to place you in proper alignment as a son of God. He was the perfect example of a faithful son. The Bible says Ephesians 2.8, 
God has given you salvation freely because you aligned yourself. You have been saved by grace. And this through faith. I want to talk about faith in a little while. But just to say really quickly that faith allows you to post yourself in the alignment of a son. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Faith allows you to have the substance of knowing that if you're a faithful, obedient, and good son, you stand to receive what God has for you. It's a good thing to be the son of God. It's a good thing to inherit the blessings of God. Romans eleven twenty nine. it says that the gifts of God shall never be withdrawn. The gift of God will never be taken. I mean, it's laid up there, and, and some of us might go someplace like the prodigal son for a season. But the Bible says when he returned and got in right alignment, as soon as he lined up, the father says, bring the ring, bring the robe, bring the cow. Bring the provisions for my son. He's in right alignment. I'm going to download to him what I've promised. He thought not worthy to receive those things, but because he was a son, because he stood faithful as a son in return and said, Father, forgive me. Automatically, as soon as he repented, all of a sudden, all of heaven began to bestow upon him all the things that were reserved for him. And it's a powerful thing to be a son. It's a powerful thing that Jesus Christ came to the earth to show us that we are to be in right relationship with the Father. To not do so is to walk in another mindset. 1 John 2.16 All that is in the world, everything that surrounds us in every direction is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. These three things are non-characteristic of the character of a son. He has no desire because he knows his father gives him everything that he wishes and desires exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that he thought. The things that God has laid up for us are much more powerful than anything we could get on our own. You could shout amen. Amen. The plans of God are way above your imagination. In fact, in this trip I learned that our imaginations restrict what God wants to give us in our lives. We think that we're, we're small thinkers. We're small in our way of of imagining the things that God has given us. But everything in this world is here to limit our relationship with the Father and to steal our large inheritance that He has laid up for us. The lust is the taking, the getting. And that mindset in the heart of any son is a hindrance. It's usually in the heart of an orphan. It's usually in the one that thinks, I'm not getting what I deserve. It's usually in the heart of one that is not satisfied. It's the consequences of this sin, of this lust, of not being able to get, of not able to come into what we desire that limits us from receiving what God has. And it's rooted in the first man who lived upon the earth. When the devil was able to deceive him in the taking, God had given man everything and the devil deceived Eve and Adam to take from the tree that God says you shall not take. I don't know if you have that mindset, but as soon as you can do to repent and remove yourself from the taking, you're going to be healed. Yes, God, God, I want to stop in my life thinking I have to strive for the things that you already have for me. I want to begin to walk in the attitude of gratitude. I want to be thankful because you remember me. Thankful because you know what's in my heart. Thankful because all things I desire, you shall do way and above those things. Because you're my good Father that's in heaven. You will withhold no good thing from them who seek you. From them who love you. And these men walked away from the relationship of God the Father as a, as a father and son relationship. And they took from the tree and they corrupted man forevermore. They left their relationship. And many don't understand what is this mystery behind the season of giving. We don't, giving is not usual to people. Giving is not usual to the human nature and fallen nature. People live far from this ability to live in the joyful appreciation that just as they have received by grace, they can give by grace. Their joy is fast. They don't have to strive anymore. They can walk in, in a mindset of a son. Sin has taken us away from this mindset and trans- uh, transformed us into the very opposite of being orphans. 
So God comes and he says, I want a people that are willing to come to my son that they might partake in the inheritance. John chapter 8 verse 35. There are people caught up in their own taking and getting, which are called slaves. They're held captive by this attitude. And they can't stay in a home. They can't stay in a family. But the Bible says like this, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. If he's the eternal father, he expects eternal sons. He expects people in relationship with him for a lifetime. People that wait for their inheritance. I believe the, the present generation, because their fathers do not have an inheritance, they don't stay connected to the father. They don't want to receive the curse. They don't want to receive the fear. They don't want to receive the lack of provision. So they disconnect. But I guarantee you that if your father has a large inheritance, you're going to treat him very nice. You're going you're to want to honor him. You're going to want to say, Dad, what do I need to do that you might see me with eyes of pleasure? And I want to tell you that that's what God has towards us. It's one of the verses in the gospel that says like this. He says, fear not, my small flock, for it has pleased the Father to give you his kingdom. I love that's one of my favorite verses. Luke 12, 32. We don't have to walk in fear. You're worried about tomorrow. I'm not. You're worried about what's going to happen. I'm not. You know why I'm not? Because I have a Father in heaven. And he showed me his grace and bounty. He showed me his faithfulness and his goodness. So we do not walk in fear. Why? Because we have a Father whose good desire and pleasure is to give us his kingdom. He wants to download things that you might enjoy. People do not enjoy life anymore. A lot of people in your generation are taking their life. Because as they look in the future, they have no hope. And the word hope comes through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the gift of God. Faith allows you to come in sonship with God. There's an inheritance laid up for you. God has many things to give you. He says, many of the things I have to give you, you don't understand. You can't even receive them yet. You're still having a slave mentality. You still want to live far from the Father. So this continual battle that we have to get in right relationship with the Father. The Bible says a son is one who honors, one who obeys, one who is faithful, one who remains in family, one who gets provision and is expecting an inheritance. God wants big things for us. He wants amazing big things for us. Those men that were able to walk contrary to the relationship of father and son, the whole Bible is filled with them. One of them, Ahab, unfatherable, married to a woman, Jezebel, unhusbanded, whose sons upon the earth were wicked. Why? Because all they were into is to the taking. Wherever they went, they were pirates and plunderers. But God wants his kids to be generous and giving. He wants them to go. This is the words, the literal words of Bishop Wellington Boone's wife. Every time I see you, you bless us. I've, I've, I've known you for five years. And every time I see you, you bless us. I want to be a son of God. I want to bless wherever I go. I want to be generous. I want to be abundant. I want to have, be generous with my smile. God bless you. I want to bless you. And a good son will become a great father. He will bless the nations. He tells Abraham, in you I will bless all the families of the earth. Why? Because Abraham was able to hear and moved in obedience. And he left a legacy to Isaac and Jacob. He was able to have the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says, If we are sons, then we are heirs. If we are sons, then we are heirs. Therefore, you're no longer an orphan and a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, you got an inheritance coming to you through God in Christ. And so Christmas is a great season to be jolly. But not because of Santa Claus. But because the God sent his son into the earth, not that we should celebrate historically so that we might become true sons of God. 
recipients of his grace, of his goodness. And so that's the power of believing God and knowing God. Every man who walked as a son upon the earth received great blessings. You do the study. From Joseph to David to Elijah to Timothy. All of them walked as sons of God and changed the history of the world. God wants you to do the same thing in Romans 8, 17. Since we are his children, then we are his heirs. If we're his children, if, if, if you're his son, then you're an heir. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed you suffer, suffer like what? Suffer like a son. Suffer obedience. Suffer correction. Hebrews 12 says if you don't receive correction, you're illegitimate. You're a bastard. You don't have the grace of a son. You're, you don't have an inheritance. You haven't allowed yourself to come in the discipline of an inheritance. Galatians 4.1. There's a season for you to be molded and mentored as a son of God. Now I say that an heir, as long as he's immature, does not differ from a slave. Me, myself, and I. I don't want to receive anything. I want to take it. I want to have an orphan's mindset. There's no different from a child when he's a child from a slave, though he's a master of it all. Verse 2. But he's under guardians and steward until the time appointed by the Father. The Father determines when you have come to that place, when you're walking in the character of a faithful son. Then he could bestow upon you the inheritance. God has great gifts for you. I want you to never forget this day. I would think we're starting to celebrate Christmas. I'm getting prepared for us to really celebrate. For us to come in alignment to receive the great gifts of God. And not cheap gifts you want to return after Christmas. You're going to be open. Your heart is going to be lined up. You're going to pass down to the generations of your children so they would not be disinherited. So they would not miss what God has for them. Yes. It's awesome that we share in this suffering. That we might also share in the glory. The spirit of God that's upon us. In Galatians 4, 7 it says, Therefore you are no longer a slave bound captive by unbelief. But you're a son. And if you're a son, you are an inheritance is laid up for you. You're an heir of God through Christ. Amen. I'm so excited about this message, even if some of you aren't. Let's get excited. Amen. Let's shake off the stupor of orphanship, of, of always having our head down and having to act like an orphan. You've seen orphan girls trying to go around getting the attention of every guy in town. You know, if you're a daughter of the king, you're going to get a prince. God has laid up for you a prince, a man who lives by the fear of God and a principle. And no man could draw near to you lest they have the spirit of Christ upon you. Or you're going you're gonna to suffer long and suffer hard in your lifetime. You're married to an orphan. He's not going to stay faithful to covenant. He's not going to stay faithful. Ephesians 1.7 says, He, before the foundations of the earth, predestined us to be adopted as sons. Because this was his pleasure. 1-5. Having predestined us adoptive sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. This was according to his plans. Many times we, we say that God is our father. But it's not true. If God were the father, you would be receiving those gifts that are given by the father. John chapter 8 verse 42. Jesus said to him, if you were... If God were your father, if you were in proper alignment, then you would love me. You would appreciate that which the father gives. You would, you would proclaim with celebration, bring it on, Lord. I'm willing to receive that, that which proceeds from the father so that I could be formed as a son. For I have not come of myself, but he sent me. Jesus is telling the men of his days, you guys don't have this wisdom. You don't have this understanding. Ask God that you might press into it because as you press into this reality, this is what Wellington Boone says. If you're not living in God's reality, you're living a lie. Your life is, is not, it's fantasy. It doesn't have substance. The more we press into God, and we're talking about this morning, the provisions of God this morning are huge. The implications are eternal. That you might press in to your relationship of father, son, and daughter. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack this wisdom, let him ask God. 
Let him ask God, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to understand, listen to the next verse, who will give freely to all without limits, without cost. Verse 5. He's going to give you freely all things. It will be given to you. The relationship God has established with us, this is why Paul rebukes the church of Galatians. How did you start off this whole thing with God giving you everything and now you're acting like you have to work for everything? Somebody in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, he says, who put some witchcraft on you? Who set your heart unto rebellion? You foolish Galatians. Why did you start out so good that God gave you eternal life and then halfway into this thing, now you're acting like an orphan. Now you're walking in fear. You're, you're stingier than a stingy man. You don't have generosity. One bone on your body. You think about no one but yourself. That's an orphan. You know why an orphan thinks like that? Because he doesn't have a dad. And the first thing God did was fix that when he gave us his son. He gave us the biggest and the best. To heal us from any lack of thinking, he's despising us. That's what the devil made Adam and Eve think. God just doesn't want you to have. And said, what God doesn't want us to have, we're going to have. We're going to take it. Amen. Guess what? Listen to me. He had given them everything. Why didn't they turn around and say, hey, stupid devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. God has given me all things to enjoy. God is a good God. God is a faithful father. God is not holding back on me. Listen to me. This is what I think. Here, watch your pastor. Here's what I think when I'm not getting what I think I deserve. I'm not ready for it. God's good. He's not messed up. The giver's not messed up. The gift is perfect. He wants me to have everything. I'm the one that's not ready for it. I'm going to mess up the gift. I'm going to mess up what he puts in my hands. I'm going to destroy it like the prodigal. I'm going to ruin it like an orphan. So I say, thank you, Lord. You're not giving it to me. I know it's coming. And I, I want to be faithful. I want it to come. I want to be obedient. I want to be humble. Humility, thankfulness, gratitude. Galatians chapter 12, verse 28. If then we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If we're receiving something that no one's going to take away from us. Let's walk greater in our gift, in our ability to have grace. Did you guys get that? Hebrews 12, 28. I have to chase it down. There it is. Since, say with me, we're receiving. receiving. Highlight that word. You cannot be a giver until you acknowledge you receive. Wait, let me say it again. You can't give your tithe if you think you're the one that's producing it. You can't give it because you think it's yours. And he says, since we're receiving a kingdom, let us have grace. Let us give. Because those people that flow in this reality of gift, giver, and, and receiver, and generosity, that's the spirit of Christmas. You know why you love Christmas? Because it's a giving season. And God is the one that created that upon the face of the earth. And we're not supposed to just celebrate Christmas one week a year. All year long. God wants us to have the spirit of the giver, the Holy Spirit. Amen. The spirit of the sons of God, sons of excellence. And there is no shortage in that. We must not be orphans. God forbid that the house of God would be a house of orphans. We need to be a people of God. We need to be satisfied with the goodness of our Lord. James chapter 1 verse 14, it says, When every man is tempted to draw away... That's what the devil wants to do, remove you from sonship. And he does so by lust. And drawn away by who? By your own desires. By your own desires to have more. You're enticed, you're tricked. You're, the, the carrot is in front of the donkey. You're never going to have it. Verse 15, the lust, when it's fully conceived, when you're thinking like an orphan, full born, you will sin, my friend. You will sin. You will separate yourself from God. And that sin will produce death. There will be no fruitfulness there. And then he says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't make a mistake. Verse 17. Verse 16, I'm sorry. Verse 16. He says, Do not be deceived. You're a son. Your father loves you. 
Your father wants to correct you because he loves you. Discipline because he has an inheritance that you're going to miss out. That's why he corrects and disciplines. Do not be, in one other translation, it says, do not err. Don't commit error, my beloved brethren. Don't mistake what God is doing. Verse 17, because if you get in the right place, every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father. And this is not a lie. This is not, it's not varied. It's not changed. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have people that he has a greater inheritance than what he has for you. In verse 18, his gifts through his Father are for his children. Of his own, he will bring you forth by the word of truth that we might be first fruits. The word of God transforms you into the son of God. How many are prepared after today to be a better son? To be better children of God. Why? Because the better we are in being children of God, the more the inheritance comes down and becomes a reality. And then it says in verse... 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 9, and we've got to finish this right, up, right now, right now. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 9, it says like this, receiving the end of your salvation. How many want to receive everything God has for you? Amen. Everything that's coming is for you to receive. And so this receivement, this, this being able to, to qualify to bring down is based on the capacity you have to line up with the Father. Verse 3, 1 Peter 1, 3 says like this, receiving the end of your salvation. Why? Because we considered blessed the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have seen God, who's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, has given us birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his death. In verse 4, it says, if you line up under the Father, what's going to happen? There's going to be an inheritance incorruptible. There's going to be a download of provision just going to be dropped down to an inheritance that nobody can steal, kill, or destroy. Nobody can take what God's going to give you. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade away like when we walk in the lust of our flesh, in the lust of our eyes as orphans. It all gets taken away. But this does not fade, and it's sitting there waiting for you in heaven. Verse 5. Those who are kept by the power of God, you keep through faith walking in this salvation that is going to be revealed in the last time. In verse 6 it says, in this you greatly rejoice. Even though for a small time there's trials, there's adversities, there's things that come to grieve you. Verse 7, that you might be proven and polished like gold that must go through the fire. And may be found to the praise, honor, and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed. It's really powerful to see that God wants us to go through this fiery time. And verse 8 says, In whom having not seen you love. We don't see it, but we're pressing into this reality. Though now you do not see him, yet you believe, and you rejoice in an expressible, full glory. Verse 9, that you might receive the end of your faith. That you might receive, that it might be downloaded to you in a marvelous way. Verse 13 says like this. Therefore, trim, gird up your, your emotions. That's what loses us on this. The loins of your mind. Be sober and rest surely hope fully upon his grace. Upon the giving of God at the revelation of Christ. Well, how will I receive? By focusing on grace. Verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to how you used to live in former lust. And you're going around begging all the time. How many have ever been next to a, a young man? He runs up to you, hey, could I have a dollar? You're like, where's your father, brother? Where's your dad? You've been coming up to me asking for, for an inheritance. Who's your daddy? That's what Doug Stringer just wrote a book. Who's your daddy, a daddy now? Orphans all over the world need to come into this relationship. The gift of God in Christ Jesus is that we are no longer orphans, but we are sons. And because we are sons, Galatians 4, 6, it says he is sent because we are sons. He has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And it says, daddy, daddy. I have a daddy. I'm not going to a stranger. I have a daddy. I'm not going up like if I was an orphan to people everywhere. I have a daddy. I got to get right with my dad. That's the gift God gave. Let's stand this morning. It's a powerful thing that we could celebrate the world-changing gift. How many have had a good time this morning? Yeah. <clears throat>
How many are going to have more than a good time, which is I'm going to be a son. I'm going to be faithful in my dad's house. I'm going to be faithful walking in obedience. I want to learn how to perfect honor. If you're going to be a son, you must know how to honor. And let me tell you, honor has a dress code. How many say amen? Amen. Honor has a dress code. If the high priest came in the presence of God and his, his priestly garments were out of order, he dropped dead. You don't honor God by, by hanging out like the world wants you to hang out. Wants you to be a ruffian. Last night I saw a precious little princess and her jeans were all torn up. She's not going to attract a prince. A prince wants a very beautiful bride dressed in fine, fine garments. Covered, displaying the grace of her dignity. That's, that's a daughter of the king. That's a daughter of destiny. Let's, let's, let's be transformed in the renewing and the thinking of our mind that we might present ourselves as, as God's sons upon the earth. That's what God wants to do. He wants to clothe us in this season. I don't care what the world is doing. Listen, don't read newspapers no more. You're not getting ready for what the world is getting ready. This is our news, and it's good news right here. This is our news. Let's, let's get into this. Because this, this has promises of glory to glory to glory. Of seasons of triumph. I don't want to see a pig pen or pig food or pigs ever in my life. I don't want to live one day, one second like a prodigal. I want to be a good son. The heavens opened up. They looked down and he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he poured down from heaven the provisions of his spirit. The spirit of his son. Father, I thank you this morning for this word. I thank you because it's your word and it refreshes and it revives and revitalizes and it inspires us. Father, we have trashed your word. Through our traditions and we've been Christians so long, we're no longer excited about what you're doing. But as we celebrate this Christmas holiday, as we think and, and meditate upon what you've done, there's rejoicing in our hearts, oh God. There's rejoicing in our spirit. Fill us with faith, oh God. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the goodness of your promises that are great and precious, oh God. Crown us with your glory. Allow us to attain to the inheritance we have in Christ, oh God. Peace, joy, and righteousness. Your kingdom, oh God. For you have said that you have given us your son. And together with him you shall give us all things freely to those who believe. To those who walk as prince and princesses upon the earth. World changers, oh God. Men of renown, men of prominence. Families with godly seed and inheritance to children of righteousness. For a wise man lays up an inheritance for his children's children, O oh God. And it's not mammon. It's not mammon, O oh God. For in the last days men shall be buying and selling. But your sons will be giving, receiving, and giving in greater measure, O oh God. Because the Spirit of God is upon us. Bless your families in this place. And around the earth that call upon the name of the Lord. Prosper them. Make them fruitful in that relationship, O oh God. Make them receivers of the godly things. Stewards of your mysteries, O oh God. We pray that you prosper them and bless them. In Christ Jesus we pray. And the house of God says, Amen. Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Hallelujah. Just to save us. 